Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Color, a podcast about owning your identity and engaging in your community. I'm here today with Yinka. I have been in awe of Yinka since the moment I met her. She is the sweetest, kindest soul. And every time I text her, she answers with hello, beautiful woman, which is like the cutest thing ever. Yinka has moved to new countries by herself multiple times over, each time prioritizing community first. She leads with love and faith, and I had such a wonderful time speaking with her. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Yinka. How are you? Hi, I'm well, Amber. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for taking time to speak with me. Welcome to Color. Oh, honored, honored. I'm honored <laughs> to be one of your guests, to have a conversation with you. It, it's honestly such an honor that you'd ask. Thank you. Yeah, of course. So, so what are you doing in this time? What's your day look like right now? Absolutely. So I recently just um, resigned from my job in Lebanon. So right now I'm in the in-between, which is just about two months ago or so. And so right now I'm working basically as an au pair as I figure out how I'd like to like participate and just be in the city. Because in Lebanon, I'd worked with people that are refugee and displaced um, in Lebanon, but I'm hoping to do kind of similar work here. And it seems like there's an opportunity for it. So right now as I'm as an I'm an OPEM kind of listening out to how to be of best use to the city. So I've heard there are some jobs that like incredible organizations working with families that have resettled in Portland area or kind of the surrounding area and mm-hmm. figuring out what their needs are. So it's less of like, I have a solution for all your problems, but more so like, what would you like help with and how can I participate in that? So essentially I'm an OPEM just listening in to what to do next, like in the next few months. Can you tell me what, what does an OPEM do specifically? I don't, I'm not familiar. Yeah, not at all. No worries at all. It's basically you're a nanny, but you tend to live with a family. So an au pair lives and provides just like care. So I live with a family and their um, their younger children are being homeschooled. So just providing support to the family, which has just been such a gift because it's allowed the kind of flexibility to still. And I've been so open with them as well about like looking for work, um, like working on people that are refugees and displaced. And they're so supportive. And they're like, in the meantime, if you can support just our little ones and um, and also as you're looking for work let us know how we can help so it's honestly it's been one of the best case scenarios for returning back to the states and working with them so yeah so I live and work um with the family and yeah and they're my friends too which is amazing and so that's great wow that's awesome honestly I feel like you and we'll get to this as we go forward but I think one thing that people listening should know about you just straight out is I feel like you've got such a knack for finding community where you go. Oh, no, that's such a kind thing to say, because I realize, especially um, as I continue to move kind of like later, maybe like my mid twenties. And I'd realized that like, I, 
it was amazing to like live in all these cool cities, but what mattered to me more than anything were connection and connecting with people. And sometimes that's really hard. And to be honest, one of the most, I like the, some cities I lived in were really challenging just because the ethos of the city were different. Like people would come there to make their dreams come true. They weren't really trying to like, you know, more than like an hour lunch and they're like, okay, gotta go. You know, I have three jobs and I'm trying to make my dream come true sort of thing. And so they're, there are places that are a little harder to to like invest in relationship just because just the the way the people navigate are different. But that's definitely something that's so valuable to me. So in places I live and I definitely do seek that out. And sometimes it is just like doing lots of things by myself or figuring out things I'm interested in and doing those things and just seeing if I meet people there, but also no pressure because it's a lot to meet people just be like, I want you to be my community forever. It's just, you, have to, you just show up open-hearted and kind of just, you see, if you connect with people, if you don't, or given time, or just, uh, it's a lot of waiting sometimes, but you're right. I really do value community a great deal. You started Ayodeli Marketplace. Can you tell me a little yes. bit about how you got that idea and how you moved upon it? Absolutely. To be honest, it was like almost deeply organic. So um, a few years ago, actually it's more than a few now, maybe five, six years ago, I saw this documentary called A True Cost. And to be honest, that was such an awakening for me because before that, I know of course I grew up in Nigeria where we need, like you could ask a tailor to make you a specific dress or, but for the most part, like the, the clothes that you get from, let's say the mall or like a main street or high street and um, in a, in a city, like I never really considered who made those clothes. Mm. And that documentary was so um so detailed about the story the the story of the people essentially who created our clothes the conditions that they lived in and I was just like shocked to be honest because it was almost like I had knew nothing about um how our, our clothes and things were made and even some foods especially like chocolate and um jewelry were made and then it was just this like revelation that like oh my word there's some of the ways that like the things I owned were supporting this like really deeply um, heartbreaking kind of factory. So then I start, I, right after that, I didn't even know what to do. I was like, where do you even begin? I was like, do I throw everything in my closet away? Or do I like, do we go and like, are we picket? You know, this is a picket fence. What do we, you know, what can be done? And then so sort of further down the line in South Street, I started to learn that there were all these places that manufacture fair and ethical clothes and these sorts of things. And I would look at the price like Amber. I'm like, I make minimum wage. I cannot <laughs> afford the skirt, $200 skirt. I was like, what in the world? So I was like, okay, then that's it. I was like, I can't afford the things that are fair. I don't know what to do. So it was kind of like an in-between. So then I would kind of like reach the space of like, then what can be done, you know? Like, and so ideally marketplace kind of kept, but was birthed from that first. It was just like frustrations of trying to find things that were then ethical. So then it changed the way I related to clothes. So I started to like save up for stuff I thought were really beautiful or like I was less impulsive in the things that I bought, but also I was also trying to figure out what the middle ground was. They're like, how can you do this in a way that's sustainable? So Ideally Marketplace was trying to like essentially create a directory. Like as I went along, um, just making available what I'd found, you know, like beautiful things that were manufactured with the people and the earth in mind. And so the kind of like three kind of points for market, the marketplace is like to shop fair trade local or to thrift because I love the idea that like with what you earn you get to support your local artists you know they're like girl painting you know down the street you know the man who's making a basket Mm -hmm. that you can actually fund their craft and then you can thrift because also that also just reducing waste and then when 
one can, you know, either by saving or you just have the resources to buy. And there's a wide range, like Everling, for instance, it's such a, an affordable fair trade shop where you can find a t-shirt for like $18. You know, it's not like a $300 skirt, but also wide range because some people can afford that and that's okay too, you know. Like mm-hmm. They're also part of the conversation around just buying more thoughtfully. Yeah, I think I think um, you saying thoughtfully is a big thing because I think that's a huge thing with it. I think a lot of yeah. times like people would buy stuff that's better yeah. for the environment and better for their yeah. local communities if they could afford it. And a lot of times it comes Absolutely. down to that, you know. 100%, 100%. And then the, when I even like joined the conversation of fair trade, that was one of the things I immediately sort of like noticed because I was like, oh dear, like the worst thing would be something that's so good then kind of like there's a line, kind of invisible line drawn around like economics because it's like oh yeah you're doing good things for the earth if you can afford it and the rest of us are just gonna burn the the earth down you know with our bare hands but it was like okay surely there's some them some sort of way right to participate even if you don't earn quite a lot and then thrifting was an interesting way as well shopping local but also saving because most of the time they're like and it seems like restricted but what's so beautiful is that like even if you the way you think of your closet or things like that change where you're like i can have these really beautiful things and then give them to like a, a consignment store or something and like get new things and kind of recycle your wardrobe. So it definitely is. It definitely doesn't have to be a line drawn around like how much you earn or those kinds of things, which I, I can, I definitely hear and see how it can be that way. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so, it's like hard too. Cause I definitely still have oh, that like that materialistic culture. So oh, ingrained that yes. consumerism where I'm like, okay, I've got a hundred bucks. I can get yes. five shirts, two pants and a pair yes. of yes. <laughs> one shoe no 100 100 and that was one of the hardest thing at first where it was just like oh my goodness like that money could have gone so many ways and and i think that's where the story of like fetcher which is why i say thoughtful because i'm so uninterested in the conversation where it's around like guilt and shame it's just like yeah, well did you know like nah, nah, and then those sort of things i get the kind of mm-hmm. trying to inspire people um but i also don't know if the guilt and is the most like sustainable way to motivate a person but for me it really did come down to like a human story where i'm like oh i could get so much more with this hundred dollars but i'm like but now I, I know too much almost, you know, where I'm like, it would be like if I was, if this, if the roles were reversed, if I was the one working in this garment factory, you know, I would like to, for the person who purchased this to consider me, you know, and how they yeah. did this. So I think that's what it became for me. Where I'm like, like exactly that. I'll see some deal or some epic outfit. I was just like, oh, but I know it's not fair. You know, like the, this particular like store doesn't really value fair manufacturing. Then I'm just like, well, that's okay. I'm all right being like a little like, out of style, you know, yeah. just for the, for the people. But it took a while to get there. The first, I was just like, I didn't even know what to, what steps to move forward after I seen the documentary, other than just being devastated. But I didn't know how to put that into action. So I was like, oh my word, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so another thing that we t- touched on earlier a bit, yeah. um, you move so easily. It seems easy. <laughs> <laughs> I think to a lot of people that can seem, you know, kind of impossible. Mm. done it multiple times over do you have advice for people or or what trial situations did you go through for sure I definitely would say there's a very like human aspect of it though it's like emotionally it's challenging sometimes to move like I think every time I've moved it was with a purpose in mind even if it seemed like trivial to explain um Mm. and so I think that's definitely helped is just like the idea that like um 
what the things that I like, I knew I'd miss the most were usually like people and things I knew I could always return to. So even though I was like moving from a city and I'm like, I'd miss my sister. But the hope is like we build such a relationship that no matter where I am in the world, that we could still get to connect. But of course, it'd be hard because you don't get to like meet in the same way or my brothers or my dear friends. It was definitely hard. But there had been, I think, more so also like sort of how I was raised. And I think it's transferable, even if people raised in sort of families that were like, no, we are generations having left this place and I think there's beauty in that too but they were just kind of like well if you think it'll be better for whatever and the goal is worthy they're always like just go and boo you will I will see you <laughs> it's like I'll see you in a year I'll see you you know those sort of things physically but we'll try to connect I think it was that it's more so um having in mind why it is that you're moving because the idea isn't that you're just hopping from one city which some might and you know more grace to the elbows, you know, like, I hope that's a well and worthy, but sometimes it, for, for me, it's always been like, why am I doing this? Why am I leaving this city? Or what am I going to? Has made a lot of it, the kind of hardship of it um, easier. Cause when yeah. I think, oh gosh, like goodbyes are so hard. As much as I leave places, I still have such a hard time just mm-hmm. being like, oh my, we went to coffee every week. Now I live in like in the Middle East, I can't have coffee with you, you know? But Deva, when I think of like, why am I doing this? I'm like, okay, I can understand, you know, it's it's difficult to hold both, but um, that's been huge, like propelling like mm-hmm. in, in that way. Yeah. And so your first move alone, was it to Portland? Is that? No, actually, oh. Illinois was my first move alone. So I was 13 and I moved to Illinois to live with my uncle and his family. So I did oh, wow. finish high school there. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Illinois, first it was the suburbs in Illinois, Aurora. And so I finished high school in Aurora and then I went to Chicago for college. And then after that, I moved to Portland, Oregon. Oh, and then, yeah, yeah. So Portland was my first, like, I guess like adult kind of move um, across the States. And so, yeah, so it was Illinois and Portland. Then from Portland to New York. And then New York, I went to school in London for a year from um, there, from London to Lebanon, and then from Lebanon back to Portland. Wow, that's like <laughs> no, so just, crazy to hear. No, it's actually wow. so wild. When I say out loud, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's <laughs> insane to move to these really different places. But And then Nigeria is where I was raised. So that I guess that was the move from Nigeria to, um, from Lagos, Nigeria to um, Aurora, Illinois. Wow, what was that like? I mean, it's quite challenging. I visited America as a kid, but I feel like nothing prepared me for living in America, which is so different. I mean, the school, when I was in Nigeria, I went to, I came from a boarding school. So it was like an all girls boarding school, wore uniforms. And then I came into like a suburban, um, what is it? Like public school, which was incredible. Like the resources that were unbelievable, but it was just like the culture shock was actually kind of wild to me. Just like, I mean, one simple thing that I remember when I think back was that like, I remember people would ask a lot how people were feeling. And that was just so new to me. Like, because we weren't, there was not much concern for feeling when I was growing up. It was just like, I mean, our teachers like were allowed to like discipline us with like canes and whips so it's just like a completely different world you know of like how are you feeling like constant the, the teachers or if i like were checking in on our feelings which that was a whole new world or even gaining language for what i was feeling at any given time so it was actually quite challenging but more so because of just how much of a culture shock it felt like wow do you have any advice for people wanting to make these big moves or mm-hmm. i guess also do you have any advice for your younger self 
when she was first speaking? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, those are such great questions, Amber. I think for sure for the, I would always want to hear like when a person would tell me, I'm thinking about moving place, I'm having trouble. I'd want to almost hear more, like tell me where you're moving to. Yeah, like, to why, yeah. Yeah, like why? Because then that, that would give, because many times what I find so beautiful is that sometimes people are more insightful than they they give themselves credit for. Mm-hmm. Then in just hearing what, what it is that they're processing, sometimes they hear an out loud kind of what their hesitation is. Because sometimes you might not, because we have like a feelings of about the thing, but haven't had to articulate it. So you're like, I'm, I'm scared to move because I just don't know. And sometimes it's wild. People will say these elaborate things, but it comes down to, I'm scared to move because I don't know if I'll be accepted there or if I don't know if I'll make friends or starting over kind of scares me or um, will I be happy, you know? And those are all legitimate questions, but knowing what the, the real question is then allows a person to answer it. And so, oh, please remind me what your second question was. It was, what would I say to my younger self? Was that what yes, yes. Ah, yes, yes. I think I, ha- I had so much stress, which is interesting because we talked about this before. When I was younger, I thought I had to have it all figured out, which is mm-hmm. so strange. I was like 13, but I was just like, okay, I need to have a plan and things need to go exactly as planned. And so I just was wrecked with so much anxiety, um, just younger, because at that time I wanted to become a doctor. And I felt like in order to do this, you need to get all these good grades in order to get into so it. was like every step felt like it weighed on the one before. Mm-hmm. And so I think if, if I could give myself one advice, it would just be like to just be present like notice what you're actually good at like rather than what people are saying over you they're like oh you're so nice you should be a doctor like mm-hmm. so good. like just like kind of observe what are you actually good at and see if there's something there and so and I think the next advice would be like don't worry about the future because you'd be wrong anyway <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's like, 2020 in a nutshell no honestly because if you told me I like 16 they're like you're probably not going to end up being a doctor I'd have me devastated I'm like how do we cancel this person out never speak to them again because obviously they don't have dreams and hopes I was like you enemy of progress you know <laughs> but like I didn't end up becoming a doctor I'm so happy I didn't we need doctors and physicians and brilliant incredible um, people in a worthy profession but just just not what I, I feel like I was crafted to do I'm good at you know but I just would not even accept that framework at 13 or 16 so I think that would have been incredible advice observe what you're good at and lean into that mm-hmm. and just like hold the, hold your idea your vision of the future a little more loosely you know just like have hopes yeah. but hold it loosely you know yeah I think a big thing this year specifically has taught me um or 2020 in the beginning part of 2021 mm-hmm. has been um about just letting myself evolve. Like, I feel like there's so many times where like, I want to change in different areas of my life, like simple stuff to how I dress and bigger yeah. stuff to what I actually want to do with my life. And because yeah. I worked for so long, I don't know, in, in this specific sector, I'm like, no, I can't change. Or because I dressed oh. a certain way for so many years, it's like, no, you can't change. And I feel like this past year has been really huge. on just like, just let it go. Just let the yes. go. Let all of it go. Absolutely. Just give yourself some grace and let yourself yes. evolve. Like absolutely, and it's not what I find is it's not dishonest to evolve. You know, it's not dishonest to like your old dreams or old ideas. In fact, that you've told people this, like I wanted to become this. I want to become an engineer. I want to become a doctor. And then you're like, well, at this time, that was the truth. This is exactly what I wanted to become, and this is what I thought was beautiful as fashion mm-hmm. goes. But I think a bit differently about that now, and that's okay. You know, that's that's perfectly fine, you know, to evolve and to see things a bit differently in a different light. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Um, And I wanted to ask you, are you a goal oriented person? Do you have like 
guiding principles of your life? Is it this big why, or do you kind of yeah. like let yourself kind of go or? Mm, that's a good, that's a good view of you. Uh, what did you frame that question so well? Because I think I'm guided by a big kind of like a big reason. And for me, I would say it's my faith in Jesus mm. and God is my big guiding principle. But as far as like a, a set goal, um, my, I, my goals would almost be like vague. It's like to be like, to be of use to love well, um, to lean into my design, you know, whatever that looks like, either being an emotionally healthy person, a woman who's like kind and loving, you know, and loves well, but it's much grounded and like figuring out how I can participate and like wherever I see like hurting around me, how can I lean in to be of help there? But as far as specific, like by 2030, I used to have lots and lots of those. And I'm honestly, I'm back in a season where I'm like, well, should I have like, like driving goals as far as like, okay, I want to do, I vaguely have things like, I want to, I want to understand and learn more about yoga and philosophies. And I would love to learn. I'm still working on learning Arabic and French and like, would love to be like fluent in those languages. So I have more so kind of goals, but like, not as I did before, before it was like, be a doctor after being a doctor, be the best kind of doctor, you know, like get like, be like an allopathic doctor and like a natural medicine kind of doctor, you know, those sorts of things. I don't have more of those goals. Now it feels more like um, emotional, mental, spiritual, spiritual kind of goals and to be of help to the world around me, to be mm -hmm. honest. I feel like some of that comes from school as well. Cause I feel like when I was in school, it was like five years from now, work at this specific company, yeah. live in this specific apartment. On yes. This city, 100%. You know? Yes. Cause they're like, this what do you wear? You know? Yes. <laughs> Oh, no, 100%. Yeah. And because in some sense, that's kind of the framework of school. So like you were doing all of high school to get to a good college. You're in the good college. You to be yeah. there for four years. And then in four years, what are you supposed to do? So it was the, like almost our seasons ran in kind of goal-oriented ways. But then you're kind of released out. Not that college and high school in the real world, but you're like, yeah. you're released into a world with a different kind of timeline. And you're like, oh, what would I like to do with this? My time. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that, that's the stage I'm in right now. And I bet a lot of other new grads are like, I've been graduating mm -hmm. for almost a year now. And it's like, I sometimes have to remind myself that I'm not getting ready for a class that there is yes, you know, yes, any yes. test that I have to take. It's literally just <laughs> what makes me happy is the driving goal of my life. Now it's not, how do I get out of here with like, you know, the best grades and whatever. Yes, yes. That's actually a mindset change. Oh, it is. For four years of my life, it was like, just Which get a long time. A's, you know, like. yes, no, 100%. 100% was like your goals, all your social activities were sort of to, to be around this like one singular goal. And the goal, and it's actually interesting because I talk often to my sister about how there's an interesting kind of almost like identity crisis when one leaves like college or like a very like structured educational kind of like framework where you're like, this is who I, I was in this space. I was a student of this and it was to, and then you're there and you're like, then who am I now? How do I? participate what do I what do I do you know so it's definitely I think it's worthy to explore yeah like, and I don't think anybody really talks about that very much especially because when you're in school for the most part like that's your whole life like you spend yeah. every waking minute like thinking about school and so you don't yeah. really think about or nurture yourself or your own yeah. hobbies and I got out yeah. of school and I was like I started therapy and so my therapist once was oh, like bro. um uh she she really likes me to do a journaling exercise where it's just you write who am I and then you write like mm -hmm. different um, things that come to your mind about, you know, who you are like. Yeah. Um, and when she first asked me it, it was all like, like I was an engineer um, mm -hmm. and I was a college grad. 
And yeah. like beyond that, I was like, oh my God, I, I don't know. Like I, I what are my hobbies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do I it was because I didn't the last four years of my life, I didn't have any hobbies. It was yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then you think before then you're like, oh my gosh, I'm like less than 18. And depending on kind of what framework you were in, whether or not that was explored or celebrated, whether you had space for hobbies, you know, or it was much like college, just on like a, on steroids, you know. Like so yeah. that is definitely is I'm glad that she has you do that. That's so helpful to know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really beautiful exercise and it's been really cool. I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I really like it. And I think it's, it's cool because over a couple of months, like if you keep doing it, you really see yourself change. Like mm. what you say, like what you answer to who am I at the beginning of, let's say a year. And at the end is really, yeah. Interesting. Oh, that's so cool. Actually. I haven't thought of that. That would be actually fascinating to see. Because yeah. I'm, I'm so fascinated to know if it's like a, you're now more aware, you know, that there's so few things you feel define you, then you're like more like kind of attuned to like, okay, I want to, I want to like add to this and learn about, you know, mm-hmm. like myself, you know? Yeah. Well, on this same note, where do you see yourself 10 years from now? Who's, who's Yinka in 10 years? Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> incredible because <laughs> in 10 Right. What am I like? Oh, that's such a good question. In 10 years, I hope I would have like where I would have picked to be in a place, not just because I don't, I do have a lot of value, you know, for the experiences that one learns from moving a bit, but I would love to like been rooted in a place and to just love the city. Well, and hopefully that's Portland, but to be, and just like to have a space, you know, where lots of different kinds of people in the cities are are welcomed in and to somehow be like given to the city, but, but also like so attuned to emotional health, be that in counseling or having practices of like rest and Sabbaths where I'm like not just connecting and kind of like and part of the like yelling of the city. But like when I think of myself in 10 years, it's more like what kind of woman I would like to be and how would I like to participate in in wherever it is that I am, you know, because I don't I'm. I don't actually believe one needs to go far to do things that are worthy, you know, like if you just like pick wherever you are, draw like some sort of like circle on the map, you know, like see what you're, how you're participating. So probably, I mean, I have such a deep love, honor and respect for communities that are refugees and displaced. So probably working in some kind of organic way, not as like, just like in the sidelines, you know, as like a catalyst for something, but you're not like the, what the arrows point towards. So maybe supporting different communities and um, just being a place of just like, of love and, and peace and just being like quite grounded but that's where I imagine 10 years from now and hopefully at that point I'll be fluent in Arabic already in French and maybe a few more languages oh, of course. yeah <laughs> that would be fun I'll learn to it in 10 years I'll call you oh yes, yes. you gotta answer me oh it would be amazing in Spanish I'm sure speaking in Italian and I could respond <laughs> to that again oh dreams I just love languages so that'd be so cool <laughs> Well, but you actually, I would love to hear, yeah. where do you see yourself in 10 years, Amber? What oh, do you hope? Let's see. What's Amber like in 10 years? Okay. Hmm. I hope, hmm, you know what? They're, they're vague. I think I hope that she's just really content. I hope that whatever mm-hmm. she's doing, it's grounded in herself and it's not, you yeah. know, anything around. It's not the apartment or the job or yeah. the you know, car or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I hope I'm, I mean, I think that I'm, I'm building this podcast out to be a welcoming space. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, I used to, when I was in college, I was very much like, oh, I want to be the CEO of this. And I feel so much more now, like I would rather take a back seat. And I just, Mm -hmm. um, I just hope that I'm I'm part of something that's just nice and welcoming. And yeah, yeah. 
oh, that's so worthy. Yes to that a thousand times. And who knows, maybe you will be a CEO of something that is nice and welcoming and warm, or you do something that's actually that's welcoming, nice and warm. You know, they're not mutually exclusive. But that's beautiful. Thank you. I want to be the CEO now that like makes it home for dinner and like is in bed. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. A thousand. And it's possible, you know, I see yeah. visions of these things once in a while and like people are me and I'm like, oh my gosh, you live such a healthy, rich life and you're like successful. But then your success is not even that you have lots of money. Is that like you're at peace, you know, like you're surrounded by love and and you have a lot of resources because it's just whatever they've done is has been profitable. But it's exactly like you said, it was so much more than the car that so the it's just like deeper yeah it's within for sure yeah. well thanks so much for being here Yinka. oh it's such an honor so delightful to chat with you and i'm just so excited for color and everything that's ahead thank you tell me where can we find you Oh, I have an Instagram and it's called Old Glory to Jesus. Um, I have a Visco, if anyone still uses that these days, same name, Old Glory to Jesus. And for um, my fair trade directory, directory is Ayodele Marketplace, which is A-Y-O-D-E-L-E Marketplace. So Great. come say hello wherever you like those, those platforms. <laughs> Thanks again for being here. You, you're just so welcoming and such oh, a ray of sunshine. I love talking to you. It's so oh, you're so kind. It's a delight to you as well. I'm like, yes, all those things that you hope for. You're already doing that. So then it's exciting to think 10 years you'd be doing things, but just at an elevated level if that's what you'd want, you know? Thank Thank you so much for listening to Color. If you like this episode, please consider leaving a review. It helps people find the podcast. You can keep up with the show on Instagram at color underscore podcast. And you can now support the show and join the Color community on Patreon. See you next month for another episode. Until then, take care of yourself. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.